Good morning, everyone. Thanksgiving Day, 1973, where were you? <laughs> it's a few years ago, I was age 17. It was a beautiful morning. We were waiting for a great turkey dinner later on in the day, but myself, me, uh, a church friend and a neighbor friend, we're gonna go trail bike riding on our motorcycles, stripped down to ride in the woods all morning and then come back for a great dinner that my mom was preparing. Um, we were looking forward to a great day of bike riding. I remember my parents, you know, even though it was a long time ago, this is one of those memories you have that are so clear. Mom and dad came down as we were about ready to start, kickstart our motorcycles, looked us in the eye and said, don't get into any trouble. Basically, they were saying, don't do anything stupid. That's a tall order asking three teenage boys not to do anything foolish. Who could have known a few hours later we'd be sitting in the back of a Pennsylvania State Trooper's car uh, getting written up a few citations for trail hopping our bikes on dirt roads, back roads where we shouldn't have been. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we miss getting away with it, by the way, by inches literally by inches. But if you want to know those details, you can talk to me later. Why do I tell you this story? Because we're told to confess our sins to one another. No, that's not why I'm telling you that story. Because I ignored my parents' wise counsel. It cost me labor because I had to do extra chores for a month at home. It cost me time riding my beloved dirt bike. I was grounded for one or two months, and it was torture for a young man. That hurt the most. My parents were speaking, but I really wasn't listening. So God the Spirit has had moved Luke purposefully to write his gospel so that you and I could hear God speak his truth so that his word could get into our minds and into our souls so that we would love Christ, believe in Christ, and serve him without fear because he came to deliver us from sin. And we sang that message so much today. Thank you, uh, praise team, worship arts people, for leading us in worship today. Jesus rescued us for a purpose. So this morning, I want you to consider these three kind of like big ideas. God is speaking. We need to listen. Ze let Zechariah's hymn, and we're going to look at Zechariah's hymn of praise in a few minutes. Let it inspire your own words of worship this morning and for the rest of your life. Because God's at work. And we're rescued from sin and death not only for God's glory and to rejoice in it and to revel in that truth, but God's enabled us to serve him with great purposes. We need to remember that as well. So let's take a look. First big point, big idea. God is speaking. We need to listen. 
I had Anna read verses 57 through 66. This is God invading history in an amazing way. I mean, God has always been involved in history. He's not removed. He's near and he's close. But he was invading history like never before. Even bigger than when he rescued Israel from Egypt when Moses came to deliver their people, to deliver Israel, because now it's the very Son of God, God himself coming in the flesh, to deliver his people. It's amazing to think about this. Promises made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the people of Israel and King David and the list goes on and on to the whole world. All these promises, God is now keeping them. We had looked at it last week, but Zechariah the priest heard God's truth, but he didn't listen. He didn't believe it. He couldn't believe that in his old age, in Elizabeth's old age, that they would bear, that she would bear him a son. He heard the message. God was talking, but he wasn't listening. He was unable to speak for at least nine months, probably unlikely not able to hear. And it was in that quietness that Zechariah heard God speak. People of faith, true believers in the Lord, always have room for growth. That's why the writer of the Hebrews says this in, in chapter 12, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So when my parents grounded me for disobeying their words and, and breaking other laws, okay, it wasn't because they didn't like me. It's because they loved me. And they cared for me and they wanted to correct me. And I can still remember that to this day. So Luke 1 verse 6 tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth were true believers and yet there was room for growth. On this side of heaven, the best of believers always have. And have we need our faith to be built up. We need our faith to be strengthened because we waver. And Zechariah grew in his faith because God loved him and challenged him. So here's the challenge for you and me on this first big idea. God is speaking. We need to listen. Hearing God's voice above all others is really a challenge. You understand, I'm not the angel Gabriel, so you know, I don't look very glorious but Zechariah was able to ignore an angel sent from the very throne of God, speaking God's word, and he couldn't believe it. He, he, he doubted. So if you happen to be in your phone right now and you're not on your Bible app, I'm not offended because I'm not the angel Gabriel, but God is speaking. Are you listening? And if you're not on your phone, some of you wish you could be on your phone. Your fingers are twitching. God loves Zechariah so deeply that he taught Zechariah the art or the discipline of quietness. Forced quietness, not able to hear, not able to speak. Think about quietness. It can be awkward. We're so used to noise. We're always connected, always getting messages, text, emails, the news. God is speaking, and we're finding it difficult 
to learn how to listen. The world's ignoring God's word. We don't even know what's right and wrong anymore. We don't even know if we should care what's true or false. It's no longer clear. God is speaking, but we're not listening, and it's because we don't know how. Followers of Jesus, we do know, do we know the voice of Jesus well? Would you know it if he spoke? So I would just challenge you, and and this is a, a message to Matt Meter as well. Carve out time to be quiet, to listen for God to speak when you open up his words and lead your family, lead your friends. Dare to be quiet yourself and with others. God is speaking to us right now from his word. Do you believe what Jesus is telling you? I kind of paraphrased it into a map meterism here. But Jesus was teaching and he said, you have heard that it was said, believe in yourself. Look out for number one. Chase after your dreams. Make a good life for yourself. But I say to you, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Are you hearing what God is saying? So doubting Zechariah was unable to speak. He was unable to hear for many months through Elizabeth's pregnancy. And now we got to read this morning that that son that they had longed for, that they had prayed for, that they never thought was going to come, was being born. And all the neighbors said and relatives asked, what's his name going to be? They they assumed it was going to be after waiting all these years, Zechariah Jr., But the angel had said John, and Elizabeth knew that it was John. And when they asked Zechariah, and they asked him, uh, what's his name? And they were making signs, so that's a clue that he couldn't hear. He asked for a tablet, and he wrote the name John. And immediately when he obeyed the word of God that was spoken to him, his voice was opened up, his mouth was opened up, and he gave a great blessing to God. Months before, when he was in the temple serving God, and he had the vision of Gabriel, and he, and he doubted, and he was silenced. He came out of the temple, and as a priest, he was supposed to speak a blessing, and it was likely he was supposed to speak this very familiar blessing found in Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But he couldn't say that blessing. So now his mouth is opened up and he not only says that blessing, but he like amplifies it in this beautiful song. And there's so many familiar themes, the same things only amplified and embellished here in a great way. This hopeful benediction is coming true. God's kingdom is nearer than before than it was a few months ago. God's face is turned toward his people and, and he gives this great blessing. And I want to take a few moments to just read this Benedictus. That's the Latin translation. This great song of praise. Verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. 
to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So this hymn of Zechariah is broken into two parts. The hymn of praise, the first part speaks about the Messiah's coming kingdom. It's a chiasmus, and, and we have it up on the board. Just look at the, the repeated things here. It's beautiful poetry. Back in a day when a lot of people couldn't read or didn't have access to things, they would use uh, these kind of tools to help people remember important truths. And God wants us to know these themes, to remember these themes. Visited, he repeats it at the end, his people, salvation, prophets, enemies, fathers, and right in the middle, the bridge in the middle or the central point is this, God remembers his covenant. He remembers his promises, his oaths. That's the key truth. God has spoken and now it's coming true. What he said to our fathers about re redeeming us and saving us from our enemies. The prophets spoke it. It's all coming true. Key actions. God has come. He's with his people. He has redeemed his people. He saved them. And notice too, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has visited. Jesus wasn't here yet. But it's as good as done. He has visited. He's come. And he's coming so that we can see him, so that we can hear him, so that we can touch him. That's amazing truth. Speaking about Messiah's deliverance in this first part of this beautiful song, Messiah's deliverance is going to be both political and spiritual. So be happy about that this morning. Political salvation and spiritual salvation. Political deliverance. The Jews were not wrong, hoping, believing that Messiah, when he came, was going to deliver them from their enemies. I mean, think about their history. How many times has God delivered them from their enemies, from the Egyptians, from the Philistines, from the Amalekites? And the list just goes on and on and on. So they were hoping, and rightfully so, that God would deliver them from the Romans if he came at that time. God promised that his kingdom would be established in Jerusalem, that that would be the capital of the world. And when God comes back, or excuse me, when Jesus comes back, he is going to deliver the world from what? The Antichrist kingdom, the kingdom of this world is going to be delivered into the hands and become the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's this political deliverance. Someday we will be delivered from our own government, from communism, 
from fascism, from authoritarianism, from chaos. Look forward to the day. Messiah is coming with his kingdom. But just as importantly, maybe more importantly, there's a spiritual deliverance. Notice it's talked about salvation. We'll be able to serve him, our God, without fear in holiness and righteousness. It's desperately needed and the Jews and the Gentiles, the world ignores and is blind to the fact of our great need to be saved from our sins and delivered. It's kind of easy to focus and thank God for physical blessings. And that's right and proper because like it says in James, every good and perfect gift comes from our Father of lights. We receive it from heaven, coming down from heaven. So we shouldn't ignore our physical blessings. But I want you to notice too our spiritual blessings because sometimes we don't think about them. If you have your Bibles open, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. I just want to refer to a, a four verses there. Listen to verse 3 if you can't turn there. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he goes on with this wonderful list of blessings of our salvation that we get when we believe in Christ. And then in verse 11 it says, In him, that is in Christ, we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things to according to his counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him, and you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of his glory. There's just this huge list in that chapter of amazing spiritual blessings that we receive. And we need to focus on them too. So I want to take a moment or two right now. And I want you to be quiet for just a few moments and think about a spiritual and a physical blessing that you would like to praise God for right now that comes to your mind, a physical blessing and then a spiritual blessing that you've received from God's good hands through Christ. Do you have one or two? And if you're comfortable, why don't you say it out loud to someone near you? Thanking God, blessing God for a physical blessing you received recently, this week, maybe this morning, a spiritual blessing, something that you have because of Christ dying for you and rescuing you, making you aware of your need for him. Go ahead and take a moment and share that with somebody near you. You can turn around, speak. If you're comfortable.
All right. You can continue these conversations after today's service if something else comes to mind. So the first part of this hymn of praise focuses on Messiah's deliverance. It focuses on the work that Christ is going to do, the change that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is going to bring. And the second part of the song focuses on John the Baptist's role. Just let me read those verses again. Verse 76, and you, child, Zechariah, speaking of this son, John, who he's just named, you'll be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of the salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. So it's celebrating John's part in God's salvation story. These are Old Testament promises that are coming true. In Luke's gospel, just flip over a page or two in your Bible, in chapter 3, Luke quotes from Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of our God. So the forerunner, the prophet was promised to come and make a way for people to come and see God's coming. Make a way, prepare the way so God can come and be received. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Behold, I will send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. So here's these promises being fulfilled. And this was John's role. John's part in this great coming of God's kingdom. And before John was old enough, when he was just a kid, when he was just born, just beginning to grow, people like Simeon and Anna in the temple who met Jesus there, they were preparing people to meet this coming Messiah. John had this special role and he did his work well. He prepared the way for the Lord to give people the knowledge of salvation of God's salvation and of forgiveness of their sins. So what was John's message? John's message was the Prince of Peace is coming. Get ready. Repent. Turn. Turn away from your sin and get ready to meet the Lord God Almighty. He's coming. Get ready. Is your heart ready? Are you ready to meet your God? That's our message, isn't it? <laughs> the Prince of Peace has come. Be prepared to meet him. He's coming back. Be ready. Be prepared. Receive his salvation and forgiveness of sins. Trust his word. Believe in his word. Trust in him and follow him. You and I have a message to pass along to our generation and the generations after us to our grandchildren, to our children, to our neighbors and our friends. The Prince of Peace is on his way. In the weeks ahead, we're going to take a few moments to, to investigate John the Baptist's ministry a little bit more deeply. But the third point I want to take a look at today, we looked at God is speaking, listen. We took a look, a brief look at this great 
hymn of praise and its different parts and its themes and its focus, thinking about our role as John the Baptist's role to speak and to prepare people to meet the coming king, that his salvation is here. And he's coming again soon. We need to be ready. I want us to look at salvation's implications. God's people are rescued. In Luke's gospel, back to chapter 1, look at verses 74 and 75. Saved or rescued with a purpose. That we, verse 74, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So we're rescued from our enemies. There's a future aspect to that, okay? When, when our salvation in Christ is complete, when Jesus comes back or we meet him, we will be delivered from all tyranny of corruption. <laughs> no more corrupt rulers, no more unfair laws, no more injustice, no more sin. We're rescued from the prince of darkness. Saint will have no more power to tempt us as he does right now. Rescued from evil's power forever. No longer will sin be able to come and tempt us when Christ returns. And you know what's really amazing? Death is going to be put to death. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? Death dies and is no more when Jesus returns and sets up his final glorious kingdom. Death will be put to death. But we're rescued now in the present. <laughs> the gospel of Christ, when we receive it, breaks the power of sin. We no longer need to sin. We can overcome it. And when we fail to overcome it, we confess our sins and we grow in faith and God holds on to us. Listen to the promises in Romans chapter 10. Please hear these words. This is the gospel. Chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the hope of the gospel. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Then death cannot defeat you. If I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus said, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So somebody tell me, where is Jesus? Is that too easy of an answer? That's where he's taking you, believer. You will be with him in glory. Undeserved glory given to you as a gift through faith in Christ. That's amazing truth. Where I am, there you will be also. 
He's taking you there now. So live like you're a child of the King of glory. We can serve Christ because of his death for us, because of the forgiveness we have in him, without fear. So we don't have to be afraid of anyone or what they will do to us because death has no more claim on us. To what kingdom is God leading us? We sang about it today. The prophet Isaiah talked about it. We read it every Christmas. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in a land of deep dark darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and the na his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And Zechariah's song, if you read that again in Luke chapter 1, repeats those same themes, light and darkness, a forever kingdom on David's throne. It's a beautiful picture. God's people are enabled to serve in holiness and righteousness because we're new creations in Christ. Because God the Spirit now lives in us. We're free to do right by God's gift of grace. And we are on a journey to that kingdom right now. So we're to bring that light in dark corners. I'm troubled because it's close to home, isn't it? Some of you saw it was brought up Wednesday night, not only the shooting of the young man who lived in Havertown, but then the gangs of kids who were beating up other kids, ganging up on them nearby, just a few blocks from my house. What am I going to do if I walk on to that, into that situation? What would God have us to do? We're on a journey to God's kingdom, and humanity can't overcome sin's darkness without Christ, so we are sent with a purpose to bring that light into this very dark generation. You are not called to sit and rejoice with your favorite beverage till Jesus comes back. You're called to bring light to the darkness because we are people of light who can serve God without fear and we've been made holy and righteous through Christ. Have you received this gift of salvation? Believe. Believe that Jesus is the Christ. Believe your debts have been paid. Believe you will live eternally. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3, says this. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. 
For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and the thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. This is what Jesus died for us to be, light, rising up by his power, by his grace, nothing within ourselves. So celebrate, arise and shine for your light has come. You've received God's forgiveness, celebrate it. Be at peace in God's love and then serve him without fear. Fear of God's wrath is removed. Jesus took it for us. There's no fear of our enemies because no one in heaven or on earth can separate us from the love of Christ. In Christ, we've received holiness. We can serve God now and forever. Let's pray together. Lord God, we ask you for your grace to be poured out on us. Lord, help us to hear you speaking and to believe it and to follow you without hesitation. Lord, speak to those who might be here this morning or watching who doubt who are doubting that, that you can be trusted, that, that you don't keep your promises, that you're powerless, that for some reason your patience is interpreted as weakness. But no, you are the God who saves. Your kingdom is coming. Lord, give them great light so they believe it and receive your salvation this morning. Lord, I ask you to remove our fears so that we serve you more boldly this week, unafraid by what we say and by what we do in little ways, whatever ways you would have us to do, wherever you send us. Lord Jesus, we ask you to do this for your honor and for your glory so that your name's lifted up, so that your love and grace is known. And we ask these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen.